Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. My name is Jerry Miller. We are live in downtown Charlottesville on a fall afternoon with a show loaded, loaded with content. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live on all social platforms, the show archived wherever you get your social media content and your podcasting content. A lot to cover on the program, ladies and gentlemen. Last night, ladies and gentlemen, a... School board meeting, sparsely attended, very few in attendance. The Almoral County School Board greenlit a contract extension for the embattled superintendent, Dr. Matthew Haas. It is fair to ask questions about what happened with elected officials and local government and what appears to be a contract extension that has many in this community scratching their head and asking why, why now, and was this the right move? Dr. Haas has been in the crossfire over the last 36 months, certainly since the onset of the pandemic. His cabinet, Dr. Haas, and his leadership team, many have asked these questions. Did they manage the pandemic the right way when it comes to academics and curriculum? Did they manage remote learning the right way? Should school have returned to in-person learning sooner, especially when private school counterparts were doing that? Dr. Haas has been in the the crossfire for a school bus transportation shortage that has been prevalent and persistent for years now. Not enough drivers. The routes have been cut. Students are getting to school late and they're getting home late, impacting family time, quality of life, and homework time. Dr. Haas has been in the crossfire for rebranding and mismanagement issues when it comes to rebranding and renaming schools. Meriwether Lewis Elementary, for example, the team that was picked to consider the new name for the school, Meriwether Lewis and Ivy, chose to keep the name the same. We heard from multiple people on that rebranding committee, people who volunteered their time, that they were told by Haas and his leadership committee that this will, in fact, be a name change. We'll talk about that on today. The achievement gap for students of color and economically disadvantaged students in Almoral County Public Schools. Another item for Dr. Haas in the crossfire, safety and quality of life for students, teachers, and staff alike in Almoral County Public Schools. Undoubtedly, a topic of concern for parents and employees across an incredibly affluent Almoral County, Virginia, and escalating teacher and staff attrition, just a few of the things that have positioned the head honcho, Dr. Matthew Haas, a one-time principal within the Almoral County public school system in a crossfire of significant proportions. On every day on this network, this Thursday night school board meeting would be the lead of the show. But ladies and gentlemen, not today. Today's lead of the show is breaking news that you're likely hearing for the first time on the I Love Seville show. Sam Sanders has now admitted he has made a mistake with Market Street Park, Lee Park, Emancipation Park, Tent Town. And the curfew is coming back. Saturday, October 21st, the 11 p.m. curfew will be reinstated for Tent Town. Tent Town has gone from, we broke this news, Judah showed the photos. I don't know if you have the photos from when Tent Town first manifested. 
when it first came to market, you had photos of three or four tents that you personally took. If you can find those photos and put them on screen, I walked through Tent Town today, our studios on Market Street in downtown Charlottesville. I, like so many in this community, do the two-hour shuffle. And while doing the two-hour shuffle today, before the show, I literally took the hypotenuse directly through Tent Town, Market Street Park. 40-plus tents now in Tent Town. The breaking news, Saturday, October 21st, the city manager, Sam Sanders, will reinstate the curfew and a campground will return to a public park. We have more story line for you on this topic. The Albemarle Historical Society, which is directly across the street from Tent Town, got so tired with, how do I choose this in PG-13 fashion? The defecation and urination associated with Tent Town that the Almar Historical Society, on its own dime, put two porter potties in a back alley behind the building. They do have pretty big bushes in front of their place. I'm kind of not surprised that they may have had problems. Judah Wickhauer right there, two shot. Let's weave him in the mix. I think you're a thousand percent right. The Almar Historical Society, is that Second Street? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Tent Town, Market Street Park, and directly across the street, not across the street on Market Street, but the side street, Second Street. The building, the Almoral Historical Society. Give us your take again. You're 100% right. Uh, there's some pretty big bushes out in front of the Albemarle Historical Society. Massive bushes. And uh, pretty good. I, I could imagine they would be pretty, big, pretty good, uh, what's the word, um, uh, curtains so to speak. Privacy. For someone wanting to go behind them. I'll take it a step further. I will relay to you from a source that I am not going to name that is directly associated with the condo community adjacent to Tent Town. This is from a source that is as close to this as possible. The condo community adjacent to Tent Town twice this month had to clean up piles of human feces behind their transformer enclosure. This source said over the last 15 years, only one other pile of human feces had to be clean. The sanitation has become a major problem in Tent Town. The same source said before Tent Town, police reports filed for thefts of cars covered in the condo community's parking garage have escalated. Three break-ins on video in that garage since the birth of Tent Town. Judah, are we on a two-shot? Yep. I asked the question, are we surprised? Uh, I'd be surprised if they were stealing the cars. Why do you need a car if you've got a tent in the park? But uh, Not surprised if they're breaking in. But seriously, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't really expect everybody in the park to be the kind of person that's going to bust into people's cars. But gather any group of, uh, of any sizable number of people and you're going to get some bad apples. Show the photos. Almore Historical Society. More breaking news for you. The Elmore Historical Society, so frustrated with 
How do I put this in a PG-13 capacity? Look at the screen. See those green porter potties right there? Behind the Almoral Historical Society, in between the Almoral Historical Society and the library. That's 2nd Street. I personally took this photo. I personally took this picture while standing in Tent Town. These green porter potties are new. Charlottesville government removed a curfew for a park and allowed a public park to transform into a campground. And they did it without the foresight or the vision of bathrooms. It's gotten so bad that neighboring buildings on their own dime are putting bathrooms in back alleys behind buildings in every nook and cranny that they could possibly find. The feedback for city manager Sam Sanders has been so significant, I have been told, that he did an absolute about-face on Tent Town. And within roughly one month's time, Sam Sanders went from lifting the curfew in Market Street Park, allowing a park to evolve into a campground, a homeless encampment, to now saying, ladies and gentlemen, I will hold a press conference, Sam Sanders says, on Monday, October 16th, to discuss Tent Town and the park. The curfew we know today will return on Saturday, October 21 at 11 p.m. Judah Wickhauer, Tent Town lasted less than two months. Less than two months. The city manager is giving roughly seven and a half days notice to Tent Town's inhabitants saying you will be eradicated. You will be asked to leave. You will be removed. The law will go back into effect a curfew of 11 p.m. and it will be enforced by authorities. Mm. How would you characterize Tent Town from a grading standpoint and what was arguably the city manager's most significant decision-making so far in his very short tenure. How would I grade him on this decision? I would give him a... Uh, I mean, I don't, want to give a, <clears throat> I don't want to give a grade to a guy who's doing a probably an incredibly tough job. Um, I've said it before, and I think that he... Uh, this decision was a knee-jerk reaction, and it probably should have been considered a little longer before making a unilateral decision like this, um, and just, you know, just completely getting rid of the uh, the curfew. I think uh, maybe, perhaps, um, maybe it's just the wording that was wrong. He could have put a moratorium on the curfew for a few days while the city figured out what to do with uh, with the people that were starting to set up tents and live there permanently, rather than just, uh, you know, making this decision to let everyone stay there um, without any... Uh, without any sign that uh, that there was a there was a plan in place good stuff from Judah Wickhauer J-Dubs as he's known up and down the east coast I concur it was not managed correctly 
lifting the curfew in Market Street Park was correlated to an accusation made by an activist during a city council meeting. Yeah, whether it was or wasn't really, it definitely looked optics-wise like it was in response to that. A female activist during a city council meeting made an accusation that a Charlottesville police officer kicked a homeless person, a black homeless person, was the direct reference. Hmm. That was in Market Street Park. This activist said a police officer kicked a black homeless person and ignored white homeless folks in the park, Hmm. chose to target a homeless person because of the color of his skin. This activist before the council meeting said she saw it with her own eyes and shortly thereafter, the city manager, Sam Sanders, lifted the curfew to the park. Is there any, any, is there any way to penalize? Is there any way, is there any penalty for lying to a... Uh... She was speaking on the record during a council meeting and did not file a police report. Right. She can think- do that, freedom of speech, in council meeting, and we can justify what I just said in a previous council meeting... You literally, we literally heard Nazis calling into the council meeting and giving abhorrent props to Adolf Hitler. I mean, they should be punished or penalized as well. The city attorney but indicated to- that that is freedom of speech and cannot be put in check unless it's taken way too far, which in some cases it was. I'll set the stage and I mean- then you jump in. I'll set the stage and you jump in. The city manager, in response to an activist at a city council meeting, saying that she saw with her eyes a police officer kick a black homeless man to wake him up in Market Street Park because it was curfew time and he had to leave. Furthermore, she said the same police officer ignored white homeless people and targeted racial profiled the African-American homeless person. She said this to council. Shortly thereafter, Sam Sanders lifted the curfew of the park. He lifted the curfew of the park, which then turned the park into a campground. And he lifted this curfew despite an active police investigation not showing any results at the time. After Mike Cotchis and his staff dug deep into this and conferred with Joe Plantania, the Commonwealth's attorney, they determined that nothing the activist said was accurate. Chief Koch's head held a press conference, and he showed the body cam footage of the officers involved. And the officer body cam footage showed that the officer nudged the homeless person with his foot and did not kick them. Chief Koch's called the allegations disgusting on the press conference. But at that point, the bed had been made, the curfew had been lifted, and a park had evolved into a campground. And at that point, Sam Sanders had a table in front of him that was quickly getting out of control. He has now decided to admit he was wrong, reinstate the curfew as of Saturday, October 21st at 11 p.m., 
and he will hold the press conference about this on Monday. Anywhere you want to go, I'm curious on Monday if in this press conference, Mr. Sanders, the city manager, makes these comments. I didn't handle this correctly. Thoughts on any of this? Viewers and listeners, we'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments. Put them in the feed. I will relay them live on air. Carol Thorpe, Vanessa Parkhill, we will get to you. Bill McChesney, we will get to you. Anywhere you want to go, Judah Wickhauer. I mean, I'm mostly just concerned with uh, causing the uh, <clears throat> causing the Charlottesville Police Department to uh, to waste uh, waste time. I would imagine money and resources uh, investigating a false claim like this. And uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not seriously asking anyone to pursue. Um, Pursue, I don't know, a, a case, a uh, uh, filing against against people that do this kind of thing. But is it really okay to? Uh, we're, we've got a police. She's force. protected by freedom of speech. Okay, but if you call the the cops and tell them that your next door neighbor is shooting, she did gun- not do that. She did not file a police report. She spoke before council during the public commenting period. Anyone can say anything during the public, and I'm, I, I don't, I, I just need to be okay. straightforward. No, that's fair. I mean, And I, the last said, city council just... meeting, we had literally people in disgusting fashion giving props to a, a Nazi dictator. It was considerably more disgusting, distasteful, abhorrent than what this activist did. Okay, but none of them caused caused time and uh, and resources to be wasted on a uh, on a BS claim. I'm, I don't I'm, think the culpability falls on an activist who may have misconstrued something with her vision. We give her the benefit of the doubt. The body cam footage does show nudging the police officer did with his foot of the homeless person. The homeless person was African American. She saw something. Perhaps not right there, but from afar, of a nudging when the body camera footage was released. I think the accountability and the culpability fall on the top decision maker of the jurisdiction choosing to lift a curfew because of an alleged incident that otherwise proved to be incorrect. I get your point, but I would bet you in most city council meetings, most planning commission meetings, there's individuals, taxpayers, tenants, owners, making comments to councilors and planning commissioners that are their personal take and not 100% based on fact. Now, your point is that statement caused tent town to happen no i don't give a shit about tent town in this case i just like i said uh, the fact that uh the fact that uh, it doesn't matter um you clearly believe that she was 100 percent in the right to say whatever she wanted to say it's freedom of speech it's not me who clearly believes it it's our country it's the law and 
I base that on the last city council meeting again when Nazis called in during the public portion of the council meeting and legitimately were uttering and muttering nasty Nazi rhetoric and were allowed to do so. Okay. That's precedent. If you're just tuning into the program, the breaking news is the curfew returns for Tent Town. 11 p.m. Saturday, October 21. The city manager will have a press conference this coming Monday. Furthermore, the Albemarle Historical Society has been so fed up with the... What do you, how do I characterize this politely? Poo? Poo. <laughs> Judah says poo. Okay. Has been so fed up with the pee and poo... Because Tent Town has no bathrooms. Yeah. That the Almoral Historical Society, if you want to put the photos back on screen, photos that yours truly took, literally with its own dime, put up porter potties behind its building in between the library and the Almoral Historical Society in a crevice, a nook and cranny of a back alley. James Watson, Carly Wagner, Lonnie Murray, Chad Wood... Josh Tracy, Queen of Ivy, Kate Sharks, Kelly Jackson, all welcome to the program. Sarah Hill Buchensky, four elected officials, welcome to the program. Still to come on today's show, we'll talk Dr. Matthew Haas and a superintendent, an embattled superintendent that got a contract extension last night in a sparsely attended school board meeting. I'm going to ask you this question. Am I on a one-shot? I'm going to ask you this question, viewers and listeners. Did the school board extend Dr. Haas's contract because they realize the ideology or the makeup of said school board could change on the 7th of November with four seats up for grabs, two of them contested? That's a fair question to ask. I'm also going to ask on today's show whether Dr. Matthew Haas deserves this contract extension. Also on today's program, I want to highlight political, the, politic, the politicking of this school board race as it pertains to future races. Friend of the program, I see him watching now, Bellamy Brown is clearly campaigning for Allison Spillman and campaigning against... Dr. Meg Bryce. Bellamy Brown ran for Charlottesville City Council in 2019 as an independent and lost. Bellamy Brown ran for delegate in the Democratic primary this past June and lost to Katrina Colson. He is an outspoken proponent for collective bargaining and an outspoken evangelist for the Albemarle Education Association, the AEA, that is pushing collective bargaining and unionization. This at-large race between Dr. Meg Bryce and Allison Spillman not only is captivating a 300,000-person market, and certainly this program, not only is it yielding the donations of political kingmaker Sonia Smith to the tune of $15,000 directly from Smith to Spillman's war chest, not only is the Bryce-Spillman race 
generated more than $120,000 of combined political capital, but the Bryce Spillman race is clearly motivating other politicians to jump in the fray, choose a side for future political aspiration benefits. That topic on the show. I want to highlight the breaking news of a new coffee shop opening in downtown Charlottesville, and it's time to talk Jim Ryan and his statement released Wednesday on the aftermath of the attacks in Israel. The University of Virginia has found itself in a national spotlight with how its students are managing and pontificating on this Israeli attack. There is a fine line between freedom of speech, a line that is getting narrow every day, and the opposite of freedom of speech, which is deplorable, outspoken, commentary and support that does not truly understand the magnitude of what is before us. President Ryan has to straddle that line between fostering a community that thrives and is founded and built on freedom of speech and conversational discourse and outside-of-the-box thinking and today, unfortunately, students supporting terrorist organizations. We'll unpack that on today's program. I'm going to weave Judah back in on a two-shot. Let's talk Dr. Matthew Haas. I encourage everyone watching this program to go to ilovesevil.com and to read the commentary that I wrote this morning on the Almoral County School Board extending Superintendent Dr. Matthew Haas a contract extension despite parental, political, and petitional outcry. I'm going to set the stage. You jump in with some commentary, and then I'll follow suit. Here is the first handful of paragraphs of what I wrote. You can find this on ilovesevil.com, and I encourage you very much to share this with taxpayers, your friends, your family, and the folks that make up Almoral County, the city of Charlottesville, and Central Virginia. Here's what I wrote. Despite parental, political, and petitional outcry, the Almoral County School Board voted unanimously to extend Superintendent Dr. Matthew Haas's contract at a sparsely attended Thursday night meeting. Dr. Haas's contract was scheduled to expire on the 30th of June, 2025. We are basically two years removed from when his contract was set to expire. Realtor Paul McCarter, who has two daughters and lives on the south side of Charlottesville, down Avon Extended, launched a petition on August 20th, 2023, requesting the school board to not renew Dr. Haas's contract. When Paul McCarter's petition closed, 1,644 people had signed the digital document. Among the many causes of concern... Dr. Haas has faced tremendous crossfire from the community for, and I'm rattling off just a handful, but some of the main reasons. One, 
a persistent school bus transportation shortage issue. Drivers, routes, drivers not filling slots, on an inability to recruit drivers, routes being cut, and as a result, students showing up late to school, in some cases, into the second period, and returning home late, in some cases, three to four hours when school has concluded. Two, Dr. Haas and his cabinet have undoubtedly screwed up school rebranding. To call it mismanagement is doing them a favor. In the case of Meriwether Lewis Elementary and Ivy Road, a parental committee was formed, volunteers, unpaid folks, volunteering to be the sounding board for rebranding and renaming of Meriwether Lewis. Surveys were sent out to parents of students at, at Meriwether Lewis. Those surveys were returned in emphatic fashion to keep the Meriwether Lewis name the same. Over 90% of those surveyed, more than 90%, said keep Meriwether Lewis the same. Still, despite the parent volunteers and the survey results, Dr. Haas and his cabinet said, look, these are going to be our rules. We're going to ignore the survey and the volunteers from the parents, and we're going to change the name no matter what. Furthermore, Dr. Haas, Dr. Haas and his cabinet made the rebranding the re volunteer committee watch a video on diversity, equity, and inclusion and change the parameters of the vote from an in-person vote with the parental volunteers to a secret ballot vote where only Dr. Haas and his cabinet were able to see the results. And guess what? The name is getting changed. Three, there is a clear academic achievement gap with economically disadvantaged students, in particular at the elementary school level, and students of color. Look at the results. They're very public. You can find them online anywhere. Students of color and economically disadvantaged students in Almore County Public Schools are not performing to the same clip or levels of performance as some of their more affluent peers and some of the white students. That's data that you can find online. I'm speaking facts here. Four, you talk to teachers, you talk to staff, you talk to administrators, you talk to students. Quality of life and safety in the hallways and in the bathrooms and the classrooms is clearly eroding. We broke the news on this talk show about the hazing incident, and hazing is not even the right word. I saw the video of what happened in that JV locker room personally. Charges were filed against those who were involved. You got vaping and drug use. You have assaults and fighting. You have sex and more and the bathrooms in the hallways. Teachers are scared, staff are scared, students are scared, truancy is running rampant. Furthermore, we clearly are seeing attrition with staff and teachers within ACPS. Attrition at an aggressive clip. And when you have attrition at an aggressive clip, you lose institutional memory. And institutional memory is paramount for any organization, including school systems. You want teachers to feel safe and have a quality of life so they return the next year. They get better and better the more they teach. I ask this question. 
Did the current school board members expedite a contract extension for the embattled Dr. Haas because of the ideological makeup of the board and a board's ideology that could change in a few months come election time? Did the school board members extend Haas a contract extension last night because they feared potentially newly elected members to the school board may do the exact opposite of extending Dr. Haas's contract? And I ask you this question, and then Judah, we weave you in on a two-shot. Did the current school board members truly listen to teachers, parents, and the community before choosing to extend the superintendent's contract? All fair questions. Two-shot Judah Wickhauer. Pontificate, and then I will do the same. I don't know about <clears throat> pontificate. Uh, were they worried? Were they going to get enough new members that somebody could have overturned his uh, his contract? I don't follow. Well, you say that uh, did they try to jump the gun before possible new members would come on the board? and uh, deny the renewal of the contract. Right now, the, the voting block unanimously 6 nothing. Ellen Osborne was not president at the meeting. Yeah. Voted in favor of extending Dr. Haas's contract. Right. Dr. Meg Bryce, if elected, signed the petition. She personally signed Paul McCarter's petition. Would she be enough to She would be block? one voice and a dissenting voice. Furthermore, in the Whitehall District... You have a contested election with two opposite candidates and Rebecca Bolin and Joanne McDermott. Joanne McDermott would not extend Haas's contract. Those two voices on the board would have also offered dissent and could have created an ecosystem or an environment that led to a contract extension not happening. So you think they might have convinced the other board members to vote with them? Potentially. I mean, heck, at the voting at the meeting where the decision was made, one school board member didn't even show up. Yeah. Ellen Osborne did not even show up for what was arguably the most important vote that she will have during her term on the board. Explain to me, and, and I, I don't want to assume Do we anything. have an idea what her stance would have been on I, that I, I don't. Vote? I don't want to assume Perhaps she had a serious personal issue going on, a very serious reason. But your whole purpose on the school board is to manage the superintendent and the budget. And on the day when the superintendent's contract was voted on for extension, one of the seven did not show up. Mm -hmm. Joanne McDermott and Dr. Bag Bryce have legitimate shots of winning their race. And if McDermott and Bryce have a legitimate shot of winning their race, they can start to pepper the news cycle and pepper the conversation, the lexicon of this community with reasons why Haas should not get an extension. And they are plentiful. Hmm. Nearly, specifically, 1,644 people signed a petition asking his contract not to be renewed. I am of the stance that that petition, 1,644 people, 
actually backfired against the petition's author. Hmm. I base that statement on the following. 1,644 people signing a petition not to renew Dr. Haas's contract seems like a lot. However, in the at-large general election race in 2015 that led to a back-to-back term for Jonathan Alcaro, this was the total vote count in the 2015 race. Alcaro, 9,184. Catherine Lochner, who's watching the show and watches the show routinely, 4,890. Dolly Joseph, 4,036. 148 write-in votes. So in 2015, for the at-large seat, 18,258 votes. And this was in 2015 when the school system was performing much better than it is now in 2023. So if you use 2015 when quality of life was better, when academic performance was better, when there was no school bus driver shortage issues, when there was less violence in the schools, less drug use in the schools, less sex in the schools, you had 18,258 people voting for an at-large seat. Mm -hmm. This petition garnered 1,644 signatures. That's not even 10% of the 2015 at-large seat when things were copacetic. You can make a legitimate argument that that petition backfired and could have been a catalyst for a contract renewal or extension. The timing of this is curious to say the least. Earlier in this week, and I'll associate the timing of this with Rory Stolzenberg, the planning commissioner in Charlottesville City. Rory Stolzenberg is an astute and sophisticated and intelligent individual, Judah. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. One of the smartest guys that's been on this show. Definitely. Rory Stolzenberg is a planning commissioner in Charlottesville City. And in August of this year, a few months before upzoning is approved, Commissioner Stolzenberg purchased an $899,000 piece of real estate with a very old single-family detached house on it on Park Street. The commissioner purchased this house on Park Street that was nearly two acres. Do you still have Deep Throat's video? Yeah. I'll give you a cue when to play it. The commissioner purchased this property, two acres, an old house on Park Street, a few months before upzoning is going to be approved. And he purchased this property in an LLC called Two Acre Wood LLC. It was not tied to himself personally like many of us do when we buy homes that are our personal residences. The timing of this was curious because this property has tremendous upzoning potential. Show the video if you could. This is a video from Deep Throat, who routinely watches this program. You've got a planning commissioner who has vigorously pushed upzoning forward from his political position from the dais. And a handful of months before upzoning is approved, He buys a two-acre parcel. Are you showing the video? Look at what this could become. 
through an LLC not tied to himself. Everything I'm saying is fact. It's fact. The timing is curious. The only reason we know that this purchase transpired or even happened was because an individual that lives in the city in the Locust Grove area, John Hasek, did some investigative digging and figure out that the Two Acre Wood LLC was in fact Rory Stolzenberg, the planning commissioner. And then he brought it up to Commissioner Stolzenberg on Monday during the planning commission public comment portion of the meeting. Hmm. And at that point, Commissioner Stolzenberg had to confer and conversate with the city attorney about the legality of all this. Hmm. And after they had a conversation in private, the commissioner and the city attorney Commissioner Stolzenberg then said, I am a homeowner just like you, and I've purchased a house, and the city attorney has said I've done nothing wrong. It's the timing. He did not disclose this. The only reason it came out was because a taxpayer and homeowner figured it out. Mm -hmm. The disclosures generally don't happen until January of the following year. It's the timing. A few months before upzoning is approved. It's the timing upzoning pushed forward by a planning commissioner who has purchased a property for 900k 899k specifically months before upzoning makes the purchase he made very more valuable it's the timing of the school board contract extending superintendent dr matthew haas less than 90 days before potentially new school board members can get on the dais and, and choose to not extend Dr. Haas. Jason Howard of Rio Road said, this is reminiscent of a lame duck hire. When an athletic director hires a football coach, and then a month later the athletic director gets fired. The football coach that was hired a month before is a lame duck. Did they make Haas a lame duck? In particular, if Joanne McDermott and Dr. Meg Bryce get victories November 7th, 2023? Those well, are fair questions. Would they be able to get him fired? I mean, no, what? you got now, now it's up to firing with cause. Right. Previously, the out in June of 2025 so was would, we're not going to choose to renew your contract. So, how would he be a lame duck here? Because if McDermott and Bryce get a victory, people will ask the question, should this guy really have gotten the contract extension? Which would, from a perception standpoint, impact his authority. Because there will always be a cloud of what if. Hmm. Viewers and listeners... These are the type of conversations and topics that should be discussed and highlighted. Randy O'Neill says the superintendent gets to pick the union as well. 
Tom Stargell, the Golden Apple Award winner, the retired teacher, says this behavior will continue until candidates for school boards step up and run instead of moaning and bitching about stepping up. Today, the Admiral School Board is laughing their collective bottoms off. Hmm. He says this was a conscious and planned action to piss in the face of citizens, not in favor of Haas. They did this because they could. Kelly Jackson, timing is everything. Amen, sister. The timing is curious to say the least. And put your hand in the air and wave it around if you don't care. Do you think the school system is performing like it should? I don't. I think there's a lot of stuff in Charlottesville that's not performing like it should, but uh, no. I don't think the school system is performing like it should. And I want to put in perspective for you, ladies and gentlemen, the importance or the significance of this race. The Albemarle County at-large school board race between Allison Spillman and Dr. Bag Bryce features absolute polar opposite people. You have Spillman, who is... I try not to use political parties because school board races should not be tied to politics. But let's cut to the chase. They are. They are. Especially in the 2023 era of social media. Yeah. Spillman and Bryce are polar opposites of each other. Spillman wants very much the status quo. Bryce very much wants to shake things up. Mm-hmm. Spillman is running a campaign that many folks could say involves mudslinging and disingenuous tactics. She's utilizing allusions to Dr. Bryce with book banning. She's directly tying Dr. Bryce to her late father, the Supreme Court Justice, marginalizing the independence of women and the free thought of women by tying Bryce to her father, basically saying she can't think outside of what her dad did, There was an NAA, was it, there was an NAACP forum between the two candidates. Hmm. And in retrospect, the answer Dr. Bryce gave could have been worded very differently. It was not the best answer, and I'll hold her to that. I don't think she answered the question on systematic racism and whether systematic racism is persistent and relevant and evident and still exists today correctly. Hmm. She gave an answer that is now being misconstrued and utilized against her, and that's called politics. If she had that question again, she would have answered it differently. 
but sometimes in the moment you get caught off guard with the question and you don't handle it correctly. Does systematic racism still exist in 2023? Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. That's how you answer the question. Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. And if I'm elected to the school board, I will utilize my influence on the board to help fight the headwinds of systematic racism, to help dismantle systematic racism, to help create an equitable and level playing field for students of all skin tones. That's how you answer. But her answer is now being misconstrued by her opponent and her opponent's supporters. And that's called politics. This race has captivated so much of Central Virginia that Sonia Smith has donated 15K to Allison Spillman. This race has got city council candidate Bellamy Brown, a Virginia delegate candidate at one time. He lost to uh, Katrina Coulson. Legitimately on social media, politicking and campaigning for Allison Spillman and getting on Dr. Meg Bryce's Facebook page on the regular and offering critical commentary about her platform, what she stands for, and the lack of substance, he says, in her platform. Bellamy Brown is a friend of this program and someone I respect tremendously. I think his star power is significant significant. I see him watching now. The point I am making here is the race is so significant that it has people that are considering political runs years from now jumping in the fray to gain and earn political equity and clout as a springboard or as a trampoline to potentially winning a race years from now. Hmm. You're talking the entry level of politics here. And I'm not trying to marginalize a school board race. I understand that this school board manages, what is the Almoral County budget? Was it $260 million, Judah? Sounds... 257,300,000. I said it was 260 million. It's 257,300,000. It's like 60% of Almaro County's budget, the jurisdiction, is schools. This is a big deal, this race. It's a lot of money, a lot of pressure, and a lot of attention. Good Lord, Terry McAuliffe launched. Terry McAuliffe lost the governor's mansion because the, the numbnuts said three times parents shouldn't be involved in schools and should have no autonomy with their, their kids when, when, when they're in the hallways and uh, in, in, in the classrooms of schools. He said it once, he said it twice, and then he said it a third time. And Glenn Youngkin u- utilized that political malpractice to win a seat in the governor's mansion. And now Glenn Youngkin is on a short list for effing president. And the Commonwealth of Virginia is a bellwether. The races that happened in November, a bellwether of what could happen in the presidential race. If Republicans do well in the state Senate and in the House, a lot of people are saying Yunkin's going to get into the mix for president. 
I think that's a stretch. I hate to say this. I think your presidential candidates for 2024 are going to be sleepy Joe Biden and sketchy Donald Trump. We're going to be left with roughly two 80-year-olds. I think Biden will be is 80 now. I think Trump's 76, 77. You're telling me, America, the best we got to, to live in the White House and to be the most powerful person in the world is sleepy Joe Biden and sketchy Donald Trump? Come on now. Come on. Come on. What's that say about this country? I got a 150 meeting. I have to end in two minutes. I'm going to save President Jim Ryan's statement on the attacks of, in, in Israel. Just disgusting stuff to Monday. The UVA students that think freedom of speech goes to backing and supporting visually and visibly terrorists who kill thousands of people, some at, music, at a music festival? Come on. I'm the number one champion of freedom of speech. Look at the talk show I do. But there's freedom of speech and then there's downright deplorable, disgusting, disturbing, depressing, demoralizing dynamics and actions. UVA, students, supporting terrorists. Give me an effing break. Coffee shop opening on East 20, 820 East Jefferson Street. The old Seville Barber Shop over there on East Jefferson Street by that Tarleton gas station, kind of across the street from the fried chicken joint that used to be fuel, the gas station. Remember when Patty Kluge thought she could put a fine dining restaurant in a gas station and call it fuel? Shocking. That didn't work out. Who wants to go to a fine dining restaurant in a gas station that has no parking? No one. No one did. Across the street from the old fuel was the Seville Barbershop. And that barbershop, ladies and gentlemen, is now going to be a coffee shop called, how do you say this? C-U-M-B-R-E? Coffee Cumbry? 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 I would guess Cumber. Cumber? C-U-M-B-R-E. It's going to be a bakery and roastery and a 480-square-foot brick building. I wish them the best. Anyone that launches a business, I wish you the best. That's some breaking news, too. Today's show is damn good. Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller, I'm back in the saddle on Monday, and I'm fired up, and I'm ready to take this platform and this network to levels that you guys have never seen before. I'm invigorated, I am motivated, and I am, I feel like I'm 25 years old again. 25 years old again, launching this business all over again. I feel like I'm 25 years old again. I'm out of here.